yeah, come on in. It's Earth Alluia. It's the Earth Church. <laughs> I'm Reverend Billy. Extinction Talk Radio welcomes you. Now, we have a good feeling today because something so good has happened. I want to share it with you right away. And that is this evil concoction called Roundup. This profit-taking, deadly substance that comes out of the Bayer Company and the Monsanto Company has been banned from New York City parks, the biggest park system in the country. Last Thursday, Earth Day, 51 individuals who call themselves the City Council of New York voted unanimously to ban Roundup from our parks. I'm talking into this microphone just a few blocks from the park. Park's right here. Uh, uh, Prospect Park is right over here. And we've already been in it twice today. I think they're still spraying right now. But in a, in a couple weeks, this law goes into effect. And there will be thousands upon thousands of families and children this spring and summer and fall and into, in the years to come who won't have that carcinogen. You know, this is activism. Do I have an earth activist out there who's going to shout, earth hallelujah with me? I'm just feeling so good. Earth-a-lu-ya. Oh, and we partnered that whole time with the Black Institute, led by Bertha Lewis, who will be here to entertain you and educate you. And we also have, of course, Teddy Tam Tam. We have the Duchess. And we have, we have Savitri D. She's over there. I can see her working on the news from the natural world. Well... We spent a lot of that seven years traveling around, leading marches against Monsanto, leading uh, trespassings by communities into their local Monsanto laboratory or the glyphosate factory down in Cancer Alley, Louisiana. I remember that. I remember one time we went to a, a a GMO seed, a seed farm, experimental farm in Davis, California. And just as far as the eye could see, there were these plants. They looked like victims. Standing at attention on steroids all the way to the horizon. And then on the horizon, we could see a police car coming towards us at a great speed. And we jumped into our tour bus and we got on the freeway and got out of there. We escaped. And we went down to Berkeley and jumped on the stage at the Greek Theater, opening for Neil Young in the Monsanto years tour with uh, the Nelson brothers and their band called The Promise of the Real. And we started singing this song. This is the song we sang all seven years. <laughs> come on now. Oh, it feels good to play for you. Here we come. It's the Stop Shopping Choir. Somebody give me an earth hallelujah.
Are you going to have a blessed Sunday here? I've already been blessed because I'm right here. <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, I usually uh, go to church in my bedroom, but I'm in the church <laughs> today. And so I am blessed and I, I'm just so happy to be here, Reverend. I mean, you know, I just keep having these flashes of us, you know, at the very first uh, instance of Occupy Wall Street. Mm -hmm. And we were there before anyone, before they set up the barricades, before Zuccotti Park, and, and I, I, it, it was just kismet, and there we were, the two of us. And I just, I, I just flashed back on that moment. You are always, you know, um, wherever, whenever, doing whatever <laughs> it takes to uh, to love and protect uh, the earth. And, oh, Lord, Mother bless you. Mother Earth, bless us. Bless us Denise. all. Are we blessed by the Mother today? I think so. We have... We have a, a success that the four of us here at our long table have, are sharing right now that goes way back. Uh, it was a struggle against some of the biggest corporations in the world. The Bayer Company, an old, <laughs> the old German um, chemical company that invented heroin in 1899. And uh, an another one of its corporate accomplishments was uh, designing the, um, the showers at... Auschwitz, oh my God, that's oh, a hell of a, a company. And then we have, they, uh, in a marriage that Bernie Sanders said was a marriage made in hell, <laughs> they merged with the Monsanto Company, uh, which is known, of course, it has its own uh, special accomplishments, I would say. Agent Orange, children as of as we speak, uh, being uh, born with deformed, um, difficult bodies yeah. to live with. And then we... We have a DDT, which was almost wiped out the bald eagle and meant much other life uh, some time ago. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, PCPs in the transformer fluid. Oh, they got a, a long list. Aniston, Alabama. Remember uh, Johnny Cochran went down there and saved hundreds and hundreds of sisters and brothers who were dying of cancer from... They were just dumping their poisons in the middle of town. Well, this is... Uh they're just nasty. Let us call it what it is. They're just nasty. They look nasty. They feel nasty. They taste nasty. They sound nasty. <laughs> they taste nasty. Right. They're nasty. Hello. Welcome to News from the Natural World. I'm Savitri D. Deep ocean disposal of industrial, military, nuclear, and other hazardous waste was a pervasive global practice in the 20th century, the full magnitude of which remains unknown. In the United States, records indicate that 50 to 97 million tons of industrial waste were dumped at sea, representing an unknown fraction of the total quantity. This ambiguity is due to sparse documentation as well as illegal and clandestine disposal operations. The extent to which containerized waste escaped containment, known as sloppy dumping, also remains uncertain. Abandoned industrial waste deep-sea dump sites exist along all coastal states. 
This week, Senator Dianne Feinstein of California hosted a congressional hearing to decide what to do with about as many as half a million barrels of DDT that were dumped in the ocean off the coast of Los Angeles. DDT is an insecticide that was used extensively in the 20th century, leading to a precipitous decline in mosquito-borne malaria morbidity and mortality rates. However, due to its indiscriminate use and adverse impacts on ecosystem and human health, it was banned in 1972 for domestic use in the U.S. Recent robotic surveys of the ocean floor have revealed as many as half a million barrels of DDT, some of which were punctured so they would sink from the surface, and some of which have corroded and are leaking. The Montrose Chemical Corporation was the largest global supplier of DDT and created 800,000 tons of the compound at their Los Angeles County plant. The shore waters by the Montrose factory remains the most expensive Superfund site in the country. It is not clear how these new barrels discovered further out to sea will be dealt with. The Biden administration has announced $109.5 million in funding for research projects aimed at creating job opportunities in communities ravaged by the decline of the coal industry. Recon Africa, an oil and gas company headquartered in Canada, is currently drilling three test wells in the sedimentary Kavango Basin of Namibia. The company has a license for an area of 9,800 square miles, plus an adjacent area in neighboring Botswana, 13,000 square miles in total. The company's goal is to drill hundreds of wells under a 25-year production license. Geochemist and Recon Africa shareholder Daniel Yarvi estimated the basin has the potential to produce as much as 120 billion barrels of oil equivalent, which would make it one of the biggest global oil finds in recent years. The regions of Kavango East and Kavango West are home to 200,000 people, including the indigenous San. A network of rigs, pipelines, and roads would sprawl across an environmentally sensitive, semi-arid region that is home to Africa's largest remaining population of savanna elephants, as well as numerous threatened or endangered wildlife species. In addition, the drilling, which may involve hydraulic fracturing or fracking, also would encompass or border national parks and wildlife conservancies, and could threaten waterways that local communities rely on and that eventually flow into the renowned Okavango Delta. A Mexican judge has sided with Bear Monsanto in a legal challenge to a government plan to prohibit glyphosate. Bear Monsanto is one of the world's leading makers of glyphosate as part of its Roundup brand weed killer. The April 14th ruling, which is not publicly available, argues that the inability to use glyphosate risks negatively affecting agricultural production and, as a result, food security and sovereignty that could force Mexico to import more corn. Bayer agreed in June to settle nearly 100,000 separate U.S. lawsuits for $9.6 billion, while denying claims that Roundup caused cancer. In February, it struck a $2 billion settlement to resolve future legal claims that Roundup causes cancer. Mexican President Andres Manuel López Obrador issued a decree late last year that seeks to completely ban the herbicide by 2024, joining several other governments that have sought to restrict its use, including Germany. If made permanent, the judge's ruling could exempt Bayer's glyphosate permits, which were filed as Monsanto, from the new decree. California water officials have moved to stop Nestle from siphoning millions of gallons of water out of California's San Bernardino forest, which it bottles and sells as Arrowhead brand water. Drought conditions continue to worsen across the state. The draft cease and desist order, which still requires approval from the California Water Resources Control Board, is the latest development in a protracted battle between the bottled water company and local environmentalists who for years have accused Nestle of draining water supplies at the expense of local communities and ecosystems. 
Nestle maintains that its rights to California spring water date back to 1865. But a 2017 investigation found that Nestle was taking far more than its share. Last year, the company drew out about 58 million gallons, far surpassing the 2.3 million gallons a year it could validly claim. In the United Kingdom, aerosol products used in the home now emit more harmful volatile organic compounds, or VOCs, than all the vehicles in the UK, new research shows. The study reveals that the world's population is now using huge numbers of disposable aerosols, more than 25 billion cans per year. This is estimated to lead to the release of more than 1.3 million tons of VOC air pollution each year. That number could rise to 2.2 million tons by 2050. In the presence of sunlight, VOCs combine with a second pollutant, nitrogen oxides, to cause photochemical smog, which is harmful to human health and damages crops and plants. The South Carolina Department of Natural Resources posted a video of coastal waters teeming with round pink worms. Sometimes called clamworms, these animals that ordinarily live on the seafloor undergo an incredible transformation under new and full moons in spring. Their bodies morph into reproductive forms called epitokes as they swarm in coastal waters. This phenomenon is a boon to other wildlife as fish and birds gather to feast on the teeming worms. However, the worms are not defenseless. They have lips, mouths, two pairs of eyes, and hooked jaws that are strong enough to break human skin. A new study revealed that a drastic reduction of deaths of one of Africa's rarest primates, the Zanzibar red colobus, followed the installation of four speed bumps along a stretch of road where the species frequently crossed. Historic data from the road traversing the national park showed that one colobus was killed on average every two to three weeks by traffic. After speed bumps were installed, this was reduced to one every six weeks. A towering wall of sand hit northwestern China's Gansu province, covering factories and apartment blocks. Recently released aerial images showed a billowing cloud of yellow dust smothering Gansu's Linz County. Low visibility resulted in multiple car accidents in the province. Meteorologists warn people to stay indoors and keep windows shut. China suffers from enormous sandstorms each spring when sand is lifted from the Gobi Desert in the north of the country and Mongolia. It is then dumped onto cities as far away as Shandong on the east coast and elsewhere across Asia. The sandstorms have been made worse by desertification. The Gobi Desert increases in size each year, transforming farmland into desert. In March, the worst sandstorm in a decade hit China's capital, Beijing, pushing air pollution levels off the charts and forcing airlines to ground hundreds of flights. In a bid to curb the sandstorms, China is planting a natural barrier of trees, also known as the Great Green Wall. And now the sounds of extinction. The gray wolf, also called the timber wolf, is the largest wild member of the dog family. It inhabits vast areas of the northern hemisphere. Between five and four subspecies of gray wolves are recognized in North America alone. Gray wolves have keen senses, large canine teeth, powerful jaws, and the ability to pursue prey at 35 miles per hour. Gray wolves usually live in packs of up to two dozen individuals. Pack is basically a family group consisting of an adult breeding pair and their offspring of various ages. The ability of wolves to form strong social bonds with one another is what makes the wolf pack possible. Wolves communicate with one another by visual signaling, facial expression, body position, tail position, vocalizations, and scent marking. Howling helps the pack stay in contact and also seems to strengthen social bonds. Wolves have few natural enemies other than human beings, and they can live up to 13 years in the wild. In Idaho, a new bill will allow hunters and private contractors to kill up to 90% of the state's wolves. It has passed the Idaho House and the Idaho Senate, and the fate of 1,000 gray wolves now lives with Republican Governor Brad Little. If passed, the bill could reduce the wolf population to about 150 animals and reverse decades of progress 
restoring wolf populations to the area. The bill, which is supported by the agricultural industry, expands wolf killing methods such as using night vision equipment and hunting from snowmobiles and all-terrain vehicles. The bill also allows the state to hire private contractors to kill wolves. And hear the sound of the gray wolf. Suddenly, we're remembering a history of a campaign. Can you just give us a little bit of some of the memories you're going through? Well, it's it's not even so much the memories. What, you know, the point is, you know, that a fight is long and hard. We are up against um, behemoths. And, you know, some people think that activism... Or, you know, you see mobilization, and it all looked very glamorous. Uh, let me just say the work that we do, it is not glamorous, <laughs> folks. Right. It is not. And, and uh, Love, sweat, and tears. I'm telling you. And you want to be an organizer, you know, get ready for the long haul. Get ready to, to get dirt under your fingernails. Get ready to have infinite patience. And get ready, you know, to have a conviction. If this is a notion for you, you know, then you just need to donate. Okay? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes! <laughs> you know, Sign because uh, sometimes the work... It's not only not glamorous, it can be tedious and drudgery and you and, and, and everything is in the details. And, you know, uh, there are some religious people that sing about being, I've been buked and I've been scorned and I've been talked about. Sure as you're born. Guess what? I've been buked. And I've been scorned, <laughs> and I'm being talked about every day. But if they're talking about you, that means <laughs> that they are noticing you. But this is, you know, this is um, I, when I formed the Black Institute, uh, I made sure it was called the Black Institute. Um, because I know that's a brave title. I, well, you know, Bold. I got some pushback from folks Bold. like, "Ooh, you're you're leaving certain people out." Listen, hmm. I'm blackity black, black to blackity black. <laughs> okay, and I make no bones about it. Uh, you know, I I'm not against other people, but this is a reality to me. Uh -huh. I cannot escape it. I am a black female in America. Right. And so, therefore, uh, I know that there are different demographic shifts, tectonic shifts.
Now! 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 When? When we're willing to save ourselves. When the guns and the torches are dropped so that we can touch. When cops jail bankers. When cops jail bankers. When... Why? The cops jail the bankers to save the kids of the cops and the bankers. When black and brown lesbians run the Department of Justice. When we have the great idea, resist extinction, resist. Resist extinction, resist. Resist extinction, resist. When we take personal responsibility for the superstorm. When we go outside until outside is no longer outside anymore. When we stop calling the storm a criminal scandal. When we climb the mountains and cross the rivers. Hike across the deserts looking for you. The nationlessness that we love. When we're willing to do what it takes to save ourselves. When we see that our spare room is a young mother's dream. When we feel years of laughter and music in a gift economy. When we stop shopping and start living. When we're grateful at Thanksgiving that we're radically changing. When is the time to act? When? 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 Now! And Reverend Billy, once again, I just want to uh, anticipate the questions that some of you will have about the realpolitik. How did it really happen that the Church of Stop Shopping and the Black Institute could have this level of impact on the mountain of New York badass lawyers in their $2,000 suits? Well, we were trying many different kinds of experiments, both Black Institute and, and the Church. One of the things that we tried was the Freedom of Information Act request, which went out to 100 cities and towns. This is the church now. Bertha wouldn't do this, but the church demanded dosages and locations of Roundup spraying events all across the country. And then we brought this activity to Bertha, and she started looking at the city of New York uh, with that kind of perspective. Um, so for months, we were receiving data, sometimes neat and organized, but sometimes like Houston, Texas, I remember boxes of forms with scrawled longhand by the workers themselves. You know, they would spray and they would get into the truck and they would fill out these forms. Um, and then finally, with, under, under Bertha's gaze, uh, New York City uh, Park's lawyers felt they had to respond. And at that point, we were getting somewhere. Now, somewhere during this time, Dwayne Johnson, the gardener from the middle school in the Bay Area, uh, was, was, was in his lawsuit with his family and they were awarded uh, initially I think something like 800 excuse me 80 million dollars which may have been reduced but it was a big deal at the time does anybody remember this yes there were there have been other trials since then in fact you know Monsanto's settlements and fines and lawsuit uh, uh, judgments 
have greatly impacted the stock value of the Bayer Company. We hope it does. So New York Park sent us their spring histories uh, from 2014, 2015, and then the law firm working with the uh, city council person, Ben Kalos. Uh, the law firm was the Richmond Group. They realized the value of these foyers and kept it going. Um, it was discovered there was a racist pattern in the application of, the, of this carcinogen. Smaller parks out in the boroughs, surrounded by poorer citizens, people of color, and the working poor. Those parks were saturated with the stuff. Um, the whistleblowers inside the parks, the gardeners who were talking to us, they would say, oh yeah, those parks are chemicalized. Oh, awful phrase. Whereas Central Park, the wealthy parks, Prospect Park, they had conservancies, high society, socialites, who had the money to hire trained professional gardeners who could handle the weeds and insects by hand and spare the rich the cancer. So once the racist pattern of, of a spring was established and with Bertha Lewis relentlessly on their tail, uh, she published a hard-hitting, glossy and fancy report, but hard-hitting report, like a little magazine, each year called Poison Parks. And with the latest updating, damning data, well, it took years, but Ben Kalos, the city council person from the Upper East Side, uh, whose wife, um, they had a young child, was very much um, an exponent of non-carcinogenic environments in the playgrounds and so forth. Ben kept working with the Richmond Group, updating. Uh, and, and then one by one, the city council persons were persuaded. And I remember there was a, a, a threshold we had to meet of 34 uh, council members, and then, and then they went all the way up to 51 and, and, and had that unanimous decision. Earthaluya, a little bit of a, a hardball report there. Earthaluya. 